You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Brothers and sisters, let us now read from the Word of God from two passages in the New Testament. First John 7, verse 37 to 44. We read in connection with Lord's Day 33 of the Heidelberg Catechism. I proclaim to you the Word of God this afternoon as it is summarized in Lord's Day 33 about the true repentance or conversion of man. We read from John 7. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely, this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Christ. Still others asked, How can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the Scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus, the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. And then we read from Romans 7, starting in verse 21, to 8, verse 11. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in a sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. That's for the scripture reading. Now let us also read from the confessions of the church and now from the canons of Dort, chapter 3, 4, article 11, 12, 16, and 17. Canons of chapter 3, 4, article 11, how God brings about conversion. There in those articles we read how the church summarized from the word of God and confesses, God carries out his good pleasure in the elect and works in them true conversion in the following manner. He takes care that the gospel is preached to them and powerfully enlightens their minds by the Holy Spirit so that they may rightly understand and discern the things of the Spirit of God. By the efficacious working of the same regenerating Spirit, he also penetrates into the innermost recesses of man. He opens the closed and softens the hard heart, circumcises that which was uncircumcised, and instills new qualities into the will. He makes the will which was dead alive, which was bad good, which was unwilling willing, and which was stubborn obedient. He moves and strengthens it so that like a good tree it may be able to produce the fruit of good works. Article 12, regeneration is the work of God alone. This conversion is the regeneration, the new creation, raising from the dead, the making alive, so highly spoken of in the scriptures, which God works in us without us. But this regeneration is by no means brought about only by outward teaching, by moral persuasion, or by such a mode of operation that after God has done his part, it remains in the power of man to be regenerated or not regenerated, converted or not converted. It is, however, clearly a supernatural, most powerful, and at the same time most delightful, marvelous, mysterious, and inexpressible work. According to scripture inspired by the author of this work, regeneration is not inferior in power to creation or the raising of the dead. Hence, all those in whose hearts God works in this amazing way are certainly, unfailingly, and effectually regenerated and do actually believe. And then the will so renewed is not only acted upon and moved by God, but acted upon by God, the will itself also acts. Therefore, man himself is rightly said to believe and repent through the grace he has received. Then we go to article 16. Man's will not taken away, but made alive. Man, through his fall, did not cease to be man, endowed with intellect and will. And sin which has pervaded the whole human race did not deprive man of his human nature, but brought upon him depravity and spiritual death. So also this divine grace of regeneration does not act upon man as if they were blocks and stones, does not take away the will and its properties or violently coerce it, but makes the will spiritually alive, heals it, corrects it, 
pleasantly and at the same time powerfully bends it. As a result, where formerly the rebellion and resistance of the flesh fully dominated, now a prompt and sincere obedience of the Spirit begins to prevail, in which a true spiritual renewal and freedom of our will consists. And if the wonderful Maker of all good did not deal with us in this way, man would have no hope of rising from his fall through his free will, by which he, when he was still standing, plunged himself into ruin. Article 17, the use of means, the almighty working of God, whereby he brings forth and sustains this, our natural life, does not exclude but requires the use of means, by which he, according to his infinite wisdom and goodness, has willed to exercise his power. So also the aforementioned supernatural working of God, whereby he regenerates us, in no way excludes or cancels the use of the gospel, which the most wise God has ordained to be the seed of regeneration and the food of the soul. For this reason, the apostles and the teachers who succeeded them reverently instructed the people concerning this grace of God to his glory and to the abasement of all pride. In the meantime, however, they did not neglect to keep them by the holy admonitions of the gospel under the administration of the word, the sacraments, and discipline. So today, those who give or receive instruction in the church should not dare to tempt God by separating what he in his good pleasure has willed to be closely joined together. For grace is conferred through admonitions. And the more readily we do our duty, the more this favor of God who works in us usually manifests itself in his luster. And so his work best proceeds. To God alone, both for the means and for our saving fruit and efficacy, all glory is due throughout eternity. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now read Lord say 33 of the Heidelberg Catechism. What is the true repentance or conversion of man? It is the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. What is the dying of the old nature? It is to grieve with heartfelt sorrow that we have offended God by our sin and more and more to hate it and flee from it. What is the coming to life of the new nature? It is a heartfelt joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. But what are good works? Only those which are done out of true faith, in accordance with the law of God and to his glory, and not those based on our own opinion or on precepts of man. Beloved brothers and sisters, congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, true conversion or repentance, true repentance of man, it's a miracle. According to the canons of Dort, the articles that we read together, this regeneration, this conversion, is not inferior in power to creation or the raising of the dead. In fact, the canons of Dort compare our conversion, our repentance, with the creation of the world, with the raising of the dead, that are great miracles. It's the same with our conversion. 
with our faith, our repentance. And the Council of Dogs did not make this up, but this comes from the Bible. One of the texts where we can read it and to which the Council of Dogs refer is John 5, verse 25, where the Lord Jesus says that a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. The time has come now, the Lord Jesus said. The time that is not for the future. When the Lord Jesus comes back. No. The Lord Jesus refers to himself at that moment. All those who believe in him, all those who listen to him, to his word, they will live. Faith gives life. Faith is worked in us by the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit works in us, well, then he works that new life in us. And when he works faith, then that is in fact the same as as giving that new life. And that means that then our our old life must go. Our old life that is in the power of sin and death. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 7 that in a sinful nature he is a slave to the law of sin. And so are we. But thanks be to Jesus Christ our Lord who rescued us from this body of death. Now that sinful nature has to die. Because the power of sin leads to death. And therefore, if our old nature does not die, then we cannot get life. And the Spirit, when He works in us, then He works in us powerfully, and He will complete His work. When He renews us, then He renews us completely. And when He works conversion through repentance in us, then that is a complete repentance. That means that the old nature will be put to death and a new nature will come to life. Dying, coming to life. Well, indeed, a new creation. A raising from the dead. It is, as the canons of Lord say, this work is not inferior in power to creation or the raising of the dead. This work is a work that can only be done by God Himself. And often I hear questions about the work of the Holy Spirit. What exactly is the work of the Holy Spirit? Well, it is important, brothers and sisters, to realize that the work of the Holy Spirit is to give life. In the beginning, when God created heaven and earth, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. He was it who gave life to this creation. In Psalm 104, there we can read in verse 30 about the creatures on earth. When you, God, when you send your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the earth. And also in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit gives life. The Lord Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit in John 7. And he said there that streams of living water will flow from within him. And that is from those who believe. The Holy Spirit gives living water. We also confess in our Nicene Creed that the Holy Spirit is the giver of life. 
When the Holy Spirit works, then our life will be renewed. Completely new. And then things will really change in our lives. Because God works. And we will enjoy it. Brothers and sisters, I proclaim to you the word of God this afternoon. And it is a theme, the true repentance or conversion of man is in the first place a powerful work of the Holy Spirit. And second, the work of God alone. And third, it makes our will alive. The true repentance or conversion of man, it is a powerful work of the Holy Spirit. The dying of the old nature, it is to grieve with heartfelt sorrow that we have offended God by our sin. To grieve with heartfelt sorrow. Well, wasn't this Lord's Day in the third part of the Heidelberg Catechism? The part that speaks about our thankfulness. When we truly believe and show to God our thankfulness, then that should be accompanied by a heartfelt sorrow. Also as part of our thankfulness. A heartfelt sorrow that we have offended God by our sin. A life of thankfulness is not only living all every day in, in, in joy only. It's also that heartfelt sorrow. As we learn from the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, we still have to struggle with sin in this life. It is a constant fight as long as we live. There are Christians, and maybe you met some of them, who believe that once you have true faith, and once you grow in faith, that you come to a stage of thankfulness, and then you shouldn't talk about sin anymore. And some even believe that they don't sin anymore. But then you only speak about the work of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus that comes in your heart, and it fills your heart with thankfulness and with love. And that then, according to them, is the work of the Holy Spirit. He fills your heart with love and thankfulness and all the wonderful things they say, and he gives you all kinds of special gifts. But the Bible teaches us something completely different. Oh, I won't deny that the Holy Spirit fills our heart with joy and love and thankfulness. That is true. But the Bible also teaches us that real thankfulness must be accompanied by heartfelt sorrow over our sins. We read about it from Romans 7. Now, some will say that Romans 7 speaks about the previous stage in our life, stage of the unbeliever, and that we are now past that stage. But that is not true. The Apostle Paul speaks very clearly about the believer in this chapter. Paul says in verse 25, that at the same time in his mind he is a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. And verse 22, he already said, In my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. And in this war, which we have to fight in the power of the Holy Spirit, that it is the work of the Holy Spirit in us that he puts to death that old nature. 
but that is something that is taking place in our life on this earth. As long as we live on this earth, we have to fight against the power of sin that is still at work in our bodies. And when our body dies, then that puts an end to sin, as Lord say 16 says. Why must we still die since Christ died for us? Well, our death is not a payment for sin. It puts an end to sin and is an entrance into eternal life. So what Paul is saying in Romans 7, that is, in fact, the true repentance or conversion of man. That is the battle that is going on between what he knows, what he believes, and what he still sees as being present with him, his, his sins. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. He knows God's law. He knows it is good. But at the same time, he feels that still that temptation to sin is there. So what we read in Romans 7, that is in fact a true repentance or conversion of man. That is a lifelong process. A process of dying of the old sinful nature and at the same time of a new nature that comes to life in us, more and more. A process of growth. And that is how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit can work in wonderful ways. He can do miracles in our lives. But the Holy Spirit does not always work in that way. That we all of a sudden see a huge change. No, he chooses to work the repentance or the conversion of man in a way as it is described in Lord's Day 33. It is a long process, or whole life long. Nevertheless, let us remember that for God, thousand years is as one day, and one day is thousand years. For God, it does not make a difference whether he works something in a split second or in six days, as he did with creation, or over a whole lifetime as he does with our new nature. If it pleases God to work in this way during our whole life, then this work of the Holy Spirit is not less powerful, and then we shall accept that and glorify him for that. For us, our struggle with sin, it may seem a long and difficult process. But hey, brothers and sisters, let us remember what our life on this earth is compared to eternity. God is preparing us now in this short life on this earth. He is preparing us now for eternity. He is working life in us through his spirit because it is his will that we have eternal life. And he does it to each and every one of us to whom he gives life in different ways. But for everybody it means that the old nature has to die and the new nature has to come to life. And that is only possible through the Holy Spirit. If you look at our own life, then that means that conversion is in the first place that being aware and more and more becoming aware of our sins and our sinful nature. And also to hate sin. In Lord say 1, we learned that we first have to know our sin and misery in order to live and die in the joy of the comfort that we have. We were taught in Lord's Day 1 that we have to know our sin and misery or else we wouldn't believe that we need salvation. Our sin and misery is the reason why Christ came. 
to suffer and to die, to redeem us from our sin and misery. And the more we know our sin and misery, the greater also our thankfulness will be. But part of our thankfulness is then also, again, not only to know our sin and misery, but also to hate it. Thankfulness for a new life which we receive in Christ also means that we don't want to go back to that old life. Thankfulness is also showing to God that you hate your sin. That you are really glad and thankful that God redeemed you from them. And you realize how much you grieved God by your sin. And again, that also is a lifelong process. We must grow in our awareness of sin. Often when you are getting older, you see your sin more and more, then often you realize how small, very small, that beginning of the new obedience is. There is still so much sin in your life. So much in which you still act against God's will, in which you still grieve Him. Yes, but that must not drive us to despair. Because especially that, the awareness of sin, that is proof that the Holy Spirit works in you. The Holy Spirit makes you aware of your sins. The Holy Spirit works in you, that heartfelt sorrow because of your sins by which you grieved God. And sometimes, already children can have such an awareness of sins, some specific sins, that they are afraid that God is angry with them. They did something wrong, and you tell them it's wrong, and they are scared. What does God think about it? And then it's not good to say that it is all not so bad. Well, don't worry about it. God loves you. No, that's not good, because indeed every sin grieves God. Every sin makes him angry. But in that situation, we must show them where to go with these sins. Confess them and ask for forgiveness. That is what God wants us to do. And when we confess our sins, well, then God forgives. And then then there is thankfulness that it is good again between God and us, that we may receive God's love. Being a Christian, that does not mean that we don't have to talk about sin anymore. But that we will confess our sins and that in that way we will receive forgiveness. And that we don't remain in the power of sin. And that is the first and biggest step. That we see our sin and confess our sin. And that will take our whole life long on this earth. It is the powerful work of the Holy Spirit that he brings us to that. That we see our sin and confess them as sin. Look at yourself. Look at your own sinful nature. I think we all have that. If something goes wrong, our initial reaction is to blame someone else. Not our fault. Our sinful nature will never admit sin. It goes against our nature. We are good. Others. Others, they they make mistakes. We don't. We will always defend ourselves. And even if we have to admit that we did wrong, then we will find all kinds of of excuses for that. Or we will blame others for it. That is a sinful human nature. 
And that we do come to confession of our sins. And that we do acknowledge that we have a sinful nature. And that we do say, yes, it is my sin, it is my fault. And that we do go to our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And that is a powerful work. The Holy Spirit does what no human being can do. According to the Canons of Dort, Article 11, what we just read, he penetrates into the innermost recesses of man. He opens the closed and softens the hard heart. He changes characters. He brings us to admission of our sinful nature. And instead of defending ourselves and boasting in ourselves, we come to the point that we surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ and boast in him. We who were first enemies of God and of Christ, we now accept him as our Savior and our Redeemer. We who by nature were so corrupt that we hated God, we now come to love him with all our heart and soul and mind, more and more. Brothers and sisters, realize how great that miracle is. That miracle is much and much greater than many other things like speaking in tongues or other special gifts which we would receive from the Spirit. Now this is the greatest miracle that God works in our lives. The powerful work of the Holy Spirit. The work of God alone. That's what I see in the second place. The true repentance, the conversion of man is the work of God alone. The true repentance, the conversion of man, is the regeneration, the new creation, the raising from the dead, the making alive, so highly spoken of in scriptures. The Canons of Dort summarize this in Article 12 as something that God works in us without us. Yes, indeed. Imagine someone who is dead. He cannot make himself alive. Someone who is dead, he has no power anymore. That is indeed how our situation was before God saved us. Paul speaks in Romans 7 about this body of death. Sin brings death. And it's only through Christ that Paul can say that he is rescued from his body of death. And that his mind is a slave to God's law. And then in chapter 8, verse 1, he says... Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. When we speak about our conversion, then again it is nothing less than being raised to a new life again. Something that does not come from us. Yes, indeed, God calls us in the preaching of his word. His call comes to us and he wants us to believe. But it is not a call of God coming to us as if we can decide whether we are going to listen or not. It is not our decision. It is as with Lazarus. Jesus Christ raised him from the dead. And Jesus called him and told him to come outside. In John 11, verse 43, there we read, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And then indeed, we read that Lazarus did come out. And that does not mean that Lazarus arose 
from the dead all by himself. When Jesus Christ had come out, then he stood up and, and came back from the dead on his own power. No. Christ raised him from the dead. He made him alive again. And then Christ called him to come out of the grave. And then the Bible says, the dead man came out. Just like that, we can say that God made us alive. And now he calls us to rise from the dead. Now that we are alive, now we must no longer live as if we are dead. We must come out of the darkness of death and come into the light and live. Live the new life. And leave the old nature behind in the grave. That is God's call that comes to us. Whatever we do in our new life, it is first given to us by God. There is nothing that we can boast in. And we can only say with Paul, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? But then also right away, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We must say about ourselves, we are only sinners. We are only sinners. We can't do any good. Yes, but we must not stop there. If we only say we are all sinners, and that is it, and if we use that to acquiesce in sin, in our weakness, if we only say, well, we are all sinners, so don't worry about that, well, then we don't speak the truth. We are not sinners anymore. Through Christ we are rescued from his body of death. Through Christ the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And that is no future. That is reality now. And now we are controlled not by the sinful nature but by the spirit. And now God wants us to to do good works because we can do good works. And he works those good works in us. And therefore we must do good works. No, not as a requirement to obtain our salvation. But because God has already given them to us to do. God has already prepared them for, for us to do. Good works, they can only be done out of true faith. Because those who don't believe, they don't have the Spirit of God. And if God does not work the good works in them, well, then they can never do good works. Just as we could never do good works if the Holy Spirit did not work them in us. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And we also read in Romans 8, verse 8 and 9, Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of Christ, or if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. And we see that the good that God works in us through faith and the Holy Spirit is the only true good that pleases God. 
It is all the work of God in us. Nothing to boast in. All honor and glory and praise and thanks be to God who works through his Holy Spirit. It is all to his glory. And in the third place we see that the true repentance or conversion of man makes our will alive. And that is important, brothers and sisters, to realize that the Holy Spirit does not overpower us against our will. Well, indeed, he softens the hard hearts. And he makes a will which was dead alive, which was bad, good, which was unwilling, willing, and which was stubborn, obedient. And it's important to realize, as we can also read in Kings of Dort, Agra 16, of chapter 3, 4, that man's will is not taken away, but it is made alive. God created man with an own will. We were not created as beings which by nature do certain things. No, we were created with our own responsibility and with our own will. We had the ability to make our own decisions. Through sin, we lost this, we became slaves to sin. And mankind cannot make that decision anymore. Through sin, we are so corrupt that by nature we are inclined to hate God and our neighbor. And now the Holy Spirit does not replace that evil inclination by a kind of of software or a new chip that does the opposite, so that now we must love God whether we want it or not. No. The Holy Spirit changes our will so that it becomes also our own desire to believe in God and to do good works. You know that God exists, and you believe in him. And now you want to serve him because you know that it is good to love God and to live according to his commandments. And yes, indeed, from time to time you do have difficulties keeping God's commandments. And that is still the old nature in us that we must put to death. That is still that battle in us. But we know to do good. We know what is sin. We know what is good. We know what the will of God is for our lives. And we also have the desire to do so. And the Kings of Dort say in Article 16, So also this divine grace of regeneration does not act upon men as if they were blocks and stones, does not take away the will and its properties or violently coerce it, but makes the will spiritual alive, heals it, corrects it pleasantly, and at the same time powerfully bends it. As a result, where formerly the rebellion and resistance of the flesh fully dominated, now a prompt and sincere obedience of the Spirit begins to prevail, in which the true spiritual renewal and freedom of our will consists. And that is how the Spirit works. It is indeed the beginning. A prompt and sincere obedience of the Spirit begins to prevail. It's not fully yet. And as the Catechism says in Lord's 44, we only have a small beginning of a new obedience. But it is the beginning. It is there. And we have the desire to live according to all God's commandments. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And that is something that is taking place 
in our life here and now on this earth. And it is important to remember that, brothers and sisters. We have to fight against sin. And we all feel the desire in our hearts often to give in to sin. Yes. We all have sinful desires in our hearts. And although we know what is good, still so often we do what is evil. And that is the battle that is going on in our lives. And in that battle it is important to realize that we should fight. Yes, it is a hard and it is a long fight. But we must not give up. This is the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new nature. It is the Holy Spirit who is working to transform your will. Therefore, fight and do not give in to sin. You are able to win the battle against sin. You are able to grow in obedience because you have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, brothers and sisters, if you have the Spirit, then live by the Spirit. The Spirit works through the preaching of the gospel. Yes, He works faith through the preaching of the gospel. But also after we have faith, He continues to use the preaching of the gospel and He works a regeneration by the use of the gospel. As we read in Article 17 of the Canons of Dort about the gospel which the most wise God which most wise God has ordained to be the seed of regeneration and the food of the soul. For this reason, the apostles and the teachers who succeeded them reverently instructed the people concerning this grace of God to his glory and to the abasement of all pride. And later on in the article, the Canons of Dort also mentioned the discipline, as well as the preaching of the word and the sacraments, as means which the Holy Spirit uses to instruct us. For grace is conferred through admonitions. And therefore the word of God comes to us who believe. And in the word of God comes to us the call to live a new life. A life according to God's commandments. It is a call to us. A call to you, brothers and sisters. To each and every one of you. You have to act. We are called to do so. You have to answer this call. Your action. At the same time, we know that this is the Holy Spirit who works. Also through this call that comes to us. And he works in us the desire to answer this call. And to do what God calls us to do. So it is our work. But our work is worked in us by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who brings to life the new nature in us. And that is the heartfelt joy in God through Christ. And a love and a delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. And that is through the Spirit that we can say with Psalm 119, How pleasing are thy promises, O Lord. And also thy testimonies, true delight afford. Through them I gain the wisdom ever valid. And also thy word is as a lamb. Unto my feet. Let us now by faith join the author of this psalm in this confession. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.